Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey guys, Chloe here. Every week on this season of the Made for This podcast, Jenny's going to be teaching through a different section from the book of Philippians. And before her teaching, I'd like to read it for us all. So today, we're in Philippians 1, 3-6 and verse 9. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And now, let's hear from Jenny. Why is it that the number one question we get is, how do I make friends? It's, it's almost something that I hear or consider first graders asking, you know, like, like my, when my kids are that age, like they, they have to show up at school and they have to make new friends. This is something that I hear 60 year olds saying. This is something that I hear 25 year olds saying. This is something that I hear young moms saying. This is across the board an issue. I go back to college, you know, it was so easy in college to make great friends. We were just living all together. We had the same goals, the same interests, everything was the same and it felt easier. And we had so much margin. We had so much time to kind of just invest in people and do things with people. It was kind of a natural time to involve people in everything we did. But then we get out of college and it feels a lot harder. It feels more difficult to find those friends and to be intentional about it. And I think we think of life that it's supposed to be like college, that it just should come our way, that we just land in the right spot and all these people come around us and we easily go through life. And that's not how it works at all. Paul, I love how he opens this because he's going to be really clear. He's like, I want to tell you what you're great at. He's in prison. Like his life is not looking good. It would be easy for him to start this with grumbling and complaining and say like, let me tell you where I am. Let me tell you what I'm doing because I think this is the biggest problem we have when we talk about friendship. Let's just start episode one on this issue. Let's just start with the biggest problem we are facing when it comes to friendship. It's that we think friendship is about us. We think friendship is about us rather than other people. And Paul knew that difference. He knew that ultimately his life didn't exist for himself, that friendship and community wasn't for his good, that friendship and community was about other people. And it was about other people, and it was also about a mission. There were two components to how Paul viewed relationships, and you see it in these verses. First, he starts out with rejoicing. I thank God. And what is he thanking God for? He's thanking God for their partnership in the gospel. He's thanking God for them. He's thanking God for the fact that not only does he have people in his life that love him and that care about him, he's thanking God that he has people in his life that are on mission together, that have a purpose. I think friendship is based primarily on our affection and our purpose. C.S. Lewis, he talked about building friendship and he said, the key to building friendship is to serve God with all your heart and notice who's serving God beside you and with you and who is running beside you. That's who your friends are gonna become. And oh gosh, I've noticed that's true. And so first we have to be one, about the purposes of God and two, about other people. And Paul was amazing at this. When you look down, he has hope, he has joy in the midst of dire circumstances. And so much of that hope and joy comes in believing and knowing that there are people out there that he is partnering with and that they are on mission together. 
it is such a fulfilling basis for friendship. Because what we tend to do is we go to friends with our problems, looking for them to solve our problems. And we end up becoming a word that is a little bit clinical, but I want to mention it because I think it's a big barrier to healthy friendship. We become codependent. When you go to a relationship and you are looking for that person to meet a need, to solve a problem, to fulfill you in some way, you are starting a friendship at its end. It will become destructive. It will end. That friendship will not make it because it is the wrong goal. It is the wrong focus. And so what I consistently hear and what I've seen in my own life is when I go to people to solve a problem that God is meant to solve, then what inevitably happens is they disappoint me. 100% of the time they disappoint me. And actually it's, it's interesting. I would say that when that happens, that is a mercy of God because he's showing you that no other thing but himself can fulfill you. And so I've learned to, to see disappointments in relationships as reminders that God is enough for me. And that has been a shift for me. So I consistently, being in the relationships I'm in in my family, being in the relationships I am in work, being in the relationships I am in my church community that they are pretty deep, I have community. My biggest issue with community is usually that I hurt someone or that they hurt me. It is a regular storyline. <laughs> I mean, weekly. The conflict has to be resolved in my life, and it's because that's just part of healthy community, and we'll talk about that later. But friendships can handle that when peace and your welfare are not at the center of that relationship. When God is at the center of that relationship, conflict can be managed. People can disappoint you. You can hurt other people. Forgiveness can be issued because we're not looking for our hope, our identity, our purpose in that other person. So what you see Paul do is one, he's praising them and he's telling them why he's praising them. Why is he thankful for them? Because they're on mission together and he's grateful for people that are on mission with him. And then two, in verse nine, you see, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment that he is I mean, can you imagine how stuck Paul feels? He's literally in a physical prison cell looking forward at his death, not knowing how many more words he can even give to the churches that he's helped start and to his community and friends. And so this is his, I mean, he's stuck and he's pushing them forward. I think that is such a marker of healthy friendship that, that you're literally looking at the people in your life and you're saying, I want you to go further than me. I don't even know if I will get to go much further, but I want you to outrun me. I want you to go further than me. And he's saying, and it is my prayer that your love would abound more and more, that you would love each other better and better, and that your knowledge and discernment would grow. And then you read on in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He knows that this is all going to an end, that this will end in all of them being together in ultimate community with God forever. That is God's vision. And so in this movement towards that, he's saying, hey, love as well as you can. Love more and more and more. He actually praises them for how well they love throughout this book. And he's just saying, hey, abound in it even more. When we get this right, gosh, we can shift everything. I mean, when you think about, do Christians love well today? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what little town you live in or, or what your church looks like, but I bet you the answer is you would say no. And, and so we have gotten the main thing wrong. This is the main thing and we've gotten it wrong. And I think one reason we've gotten it wrong is because we have looked for people to fulfill us rather than understanding that God has built community to be a picture of him. And that picture of him requires 
self-denial. It requires loving people even when they disappoint us and even when they disagree with us and even when there is dissension and fighting that we work through it. It it requires a love that is based on the cross, that is based on death to ourselves. And so rather than coming into relationships, hoping and expecting and needing to get something out of them, the very first thing we've got to know is we go into community looking at how we can, one, love them better, that love could abound more, and that, two, how can we point them to Christ? Because when we do that, it, it actually changes the whole paradigm. It's, it's a whole different foundation for friendship than the world has. So I want you guys to meet one of my teammates who runs with me every day. We, we talk a lot. And what I love is that she's going to bring some of your questions to this conversation. And we're going to get to talk about what are, you know, because ultimately it's like, yeah, great, Jenny, I don't want to be codependent. I want God to be the center of my relationships. I don't want to be selfish in them. But how do we do it? What does it look like? So she's going to bring some of the questions that you all have asked to these conversations. And we're going to actually see where the rubber hits the road. Okay, Jenny, here's a great question from Mallory on Instagram. She says, how do I know if I'm in a codependent relationship and what do I do about it? So let me tell you, you know, some of you might be going to codependency. What is that? That sounds like it needs rehab. Well, maybe (laughs) we do tend to get addicted to people, but let me just define it better for you. You can know that you're in a codependent relationship when you constantly feel discouraged and disappointed by the person. When there is constant conflict, I'm not saying conflict won't arise, but the conflict is always there. When you notice yourself not going to God and to other people with problems first, I would say a codependent relationship is one that when their happiness is thwarted, yours is thwarted to a disproportionate level. I I love Tim Keller says that when you have a extreme reaction to something, You need to notice that because it's probably evidence of something you've made a God on accident. So when you are unusually upset that that person didn't call or that person wasn't loving enough toward you or they didn't invite you to something, I think that's a huge thing right now is we see everyone's social life. So we know if we weren't invited to something because we'll see a picture of someone's event or birthday. And and so when you see and you have an unusual reaction to that, I think that's when you can start to notice, hey, I may have made a God out of this. I may have put too much hope in these relationships. So if you feel stuck in trying to find significance in other people, why don't you just today get on your knees, talk to God and say, God, I want you first. I want you to meet my needs before I go to anyone else to meet those needs. Thanks for listening to the Made for This podcast. We pray that this is a helpful resource for you wherever you find yourself in life right now. Have you seen Jenny's new 40-day devotional called Made for This? Guys, this resource is awesome. You can get it at any major book retailer. You can get it online. I did this myself a few weeks ago, and it messed me up in the absolute best ways. It's a combination of her two books, Anything and Restless, and it just walks you through this praying, the prayer of anything, prayer of surrender, that God, I am all in, and I'm all in for the kingdom, and all into whatever you have for me. And so if you go to madeforthisdevo.com, 
and drop in your email. You grab your copies of the book. We'll send you every seven days. You get an email with video content from Jenny and convo cards and bonus downloads, just all kinds of awesome stuff to help you walk through this with your people. This would be a great resource for you to really flesh out what Jenny was talking about today. So we think you'll find that super helpful and you can go find that book again, made for this devo.com. And the second thing, y'all, I can't wait to tell you about this one. On September 26th and 27th this year, Jenny and a bunch of other Bible teachers are gathering in Dallas, Texas to pour into those of you who are leading in your places. Maybe you're leading a small group or a classroom or you're running a team. Whatever it may be, you're invited to join us at If Lead on September 26th and 27th to spend two days being reminded that what you do matters and you're not alone in it. You can head to ifgathering.com to find tickets and use the promo code made for this all one word at checkout to get $40 off. And a big thank you to Jake Scott for letting us use his music for the show. You can find more of Jake's music on Spotify. Thanks so much. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and we will see you guys next week. 